0: you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, what will most likely be a very familiar passage to all of us. We invite you, if you would mind, as you're able to stand with me to honor the reading of God's word this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. You may be seated. Have you ever bought something and became frustrated because you weren't sure how to use it? Couldn't figure it out quite how to get it to work just right? You know that empty feeling that comes when you try and try and you fail to get something to work correctly and then a loved one says to you, You should have read the directions to begin with. You ever thought that it would just be so nice, so helpful to have some kind of instruction manual for life, some kind of manual to to give you advice on marriage, on raising children, how to deal with fear and other emotions, manual to instruct us on what's right and what's wrong. Something that could deal with all these things and so much more. Fortunately, we have a Heavenly Father who loves us. And He wants us to know His will. He wants us to know what it is that we are to do in life, how we are to serve, how we can please him. He wants us to know his will for our lives in every circumstance. So he's chosen to give us an instruction manual that reveals all of this and so much more to us. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Some people will ask, well, what's the catch? There's no catch. There's no cost involved for you and me to have this available to us. God has handed down his word through the ages. It's withstood attempts to discredit this as divinely inspired. It's withstood the test of time. The Bible is much more than a history book. And it's withstood the attempts of men and women who would have it destroyed simply to benefit their own desires. How wonderful it is to be able to to hold in our hands and to hide in our hearts the very word of Almighty God in a day in which many suggest that the Holy Bible is something less than the word of Almighty God, that it contains errors throughout or is simply a good book I believe the word that God has for his children is stand up and say no. No. The Bible's more than history. It's more than literature. It's the infallible word of God. For many years, there have been scholars who have tried to claim that the Bible is not the word of God. So what do we as Southern Baptists believe about the Bible? We pride ourselves in being people of the book, term I've heard all my life in the Baptist church. The Baptist faith and message was adopted by messengers assembled at the Southern Baptist convention in 2000. Was basically a rewritten version of a similar adoption of the um, convention messengers in 1963 and before that in 1925 when it originally came to the floor and the following quotation is a summary of that statement based on the chapter that concerns what Baptists believe about the Bible. It says, the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man is a perfect treasure of divine inspiration. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. In my opinion, that's a pretty clear and decisive statement that can be seen as, as the truth for all who, who claim to be Baptist. God's given us a field out here in this world. A field that is widened to harvest. We don't have time to critique the Bible, to analyze it, to rewrite it, or to, to even defend it. That's not what we've been called to do. See, it has and always will continue to be its own defense. God took care of that. God hasn't called us to to analyze or defend his word. He's called us, however, to read it. He's called us to know it. He's called us to teach it and to proclaim it throughout the world. And as we look at this passage, the first thing that the Apostle Paul points out is that the scriptures are to be accepted as the truth in its entirety. The truth in its entirety. Notice the very first word here in verse sixteen: "all." All, and the original Greek, uh, that word is "pas," and it means every. It means all. Okay, it is inclusive of every one of all things and in everything. In other words, the apostle Paul is saying to Timothy here: every bit of the scripture is inspired by God. Every word, every letter. If I can't believe that all of us inspired, then what part is? Really. If I can't believe the entire word of God, what can I believe from it? We have to accept it as a whole. Not in parts. How can we base our faith on something we don't even believe is accurate or true? And what does the writer mean by the term Scripture? Obviously, at the time Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, the Bible was not complete. Traditionally, when anyone in the New Testament made reference to Scripture, they were talking about the Old Testament, or at least portions of it. It was the Bible they knew that day. But I believe God is the author of all Scripture, old and new. So it would be appropriate for us to echo Paul's words and today say, yes, all Scripture. Genesis to Revelation is given by inspiration of God. If God inspired it he would if he inspired the Old Testament then he would certainly not allow that to be mixed with something he had not inspired in in the New Testament. So we know that he inspired both the Old and New Testament. Now, if there's anything that we can know about God's Word for absolute certain is that it is inspired by God in its entirety. It's true. It's inspired Word of Almighty God. And we may not understand all of it, but we can have confidence in its truth. You know, there are times we read, Scripture, and we may not completely understand what we're reading. But you know, we don't have to understand it all, all the time. We may not understand how airplanes fly, but it doesn't mean that we're going to walk to Guatemala on a mission trip or across the country to visit friends or relatives. The same thing is true with God's word. We don't have to understand it all. We can't stop reading it. We can't stop believing it just because we don't always understand what we're reading. Now for those who would be skeptics, there is much scientific and archaeological proof that the scriptures hold that we hold in our hands are accurate. and and as accurate as the scriptures that the early church had. There are no known original writings in in existence today. But we have historically recent findings like the Dead Sea Scrolls that have verified the accuracy of what we call the Bible. And this leads us to to conclude that God indeed intervened so that his word would remain true. The Bible was written over a period of about 1500 years. and includes a library of 66 books broken down into 1189 chapters, 31,173 verse divisions written by some 40 human authors. Only a miracle from God could take something like that and make it so cohesive as to form one, fluid, complementary collection. The Bible is truth in its entirety. In the Old Testament we read the words of the prophets who declared that they were writing the words of the Lord. In the Revelation, John repeatedly confesses that he is writing exactly what the voice from heaven is speaking to him. And in 2 Peter, in chapter 1, verse 21, we read this. Starting actually in, in, in verse 19. by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Make no mistake. Now at this point I'd like to say a word or two about translations. Now I, I normally preach from the New King James. But understand that I'll use other for translations from time to time. There are values in it, there's value to be found in many different good translations biblical solid translations i've heard people say well if the king james version was good enough for peter and paul it's good enough for me well just think about that statement and you understand the lunacy in that the bible wasn't around to be used by peter and paul of course the Old Testament was written originally in Hebrew, and the New Testament in Greek. The earliest versions of the Bible were Latin, Greek, Aramaic, Syriac, Coptic. The King James didn't come along till 1611. James I was not even a Christian. He was commissioned, or he rather commissioned scholars to translate the Bible into the King's English. There were so many different versions and he wanted to be able to read it see what all the fuss was about in 1611 the authorized version the king james was was published considered by most christians heresy the key to reliability translations i believe is understanding the difference between a translation and a paraphrase translation written word from word word for word from from the original languages is considered more reliable more accurate paraphrase simply a, an interpretation by an individual or group can be beneficial can be helpful can be very readable but not as, not as accurate, not as reliable as a good translation. I say all of this to explain that there are good translations available. From time to time, I may preach from one of them, but I, I certainly often use them in my own private study and, and in preparation. It's okay to use the Bible of your choosing if it's a reliable source and if it helps you in your study. Some, somebody asked me, what, what's the best translation for me to use? And I often say, it's the one you'll read. The one you'll actually read. Not the one that frustrates you that you set down. If you'd ever like to discuss it more with me, I'm happy to meet with you. I'm happy to to talk to you, to show you some different versions to explain what reading levels they're on and so forth. With all the translations available, the thing that's most important to remember is that the Bible is the inspired Word of God in its entirety. I read about an 18-year-old student who was deeply interested in scientific subjects, especially astronomy, so his father bought him a very expensive telescope, and this young man had also studied optics, so he found the instrument itself to be most intriguing. He took it completely apart, examined the lenses, made detailed calculations on the distance of its point of focus. He became so absorbed in gaining knowledge about the instrument itself, the technical aspects of it, that he never got around to looking through the telescope. The same thing can happen in our study of God's Word. We can analyze and organize and classify scriptures, but miss the primary purpose for which they were given to us. In this passage that we've read, Paul is simply reminding Timothy of something he already knew. He had been taught the scriptures that they were divinely inspired and profitable all of his life from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. So what are they profitable for What's the primary purpose for which God has given us the scriptures? Well, that's my second point. The truth in doctrine. Notice first that scriptures are profitable for doctrine or teaching. We see it right there in the middle of verse verse 16. That word doctrine means teaching. Paul is referring here to positive teaching. The instruction of people as to the the content, the meaning of of Scripture. Encouraging and edifying and offering hope. Leading other people to the truth, which of course is Jesus Christ. Paul is actually commending the Old Testament scriptures as a a source for teaching the doctrines which are founded there. The doctrine of creation, the the fall of man, the the nature of the atonement for which Christ later came and became. So the the scripture is, is valuable for teaching God's people how to live, how to behave, what to understanding what it is we say we believe. But he also says that it's valuable for reproof. This is the negative aspect of teaching. Reproof literally means evidence. And it could be restated the following way. The scriptures contain the evidence that a Christian may use to refute false opinions or false doctrines. The use of this word here reveals to us the fact that there are and will be many false doctrines, many false prophets who proclaim those false doctrines. Be very cautious especially if anyone who says things like You know, the Lord told me to tell you. You ever heard somebody say that and you wonder, well, why didn't he tell me? If he told you to tell me, why didn't he just tell me? Or the Holy Spirit has instructed me to tell you this. I'm not saying these people are not sincere, but I am saying that we have to be very careful when we give validity to anything that's questionable. And that's not directly from the Word of God. In almost every case we'll find groups particularly that have made claims that are not compatible with with Scripture. We usually find that they have some kind of Bible of their own. They may not call it a Bible, but if it adds to or takes away from or contradicts The Word of God, you might as well call it a Bible. And you need to stay away from it. The sad thing about us Christians is that we have the truth. We have the Word of God. But we don't seem to be as busy about sharing it with lost people as some of the other groups are. Some of these folks who don't embrace the Word of God as truth. We have the word of the God of the universe. What now? So what? What do we do with it? The Apostle Paul encourages us in this passage to use it for teaching and reproof. What does that mean to us? It means that our opinions and the opinions of scholars are not really all that important at least not unless they're based upon the Word of God. Southern Baptists have have the best resources available anywhere in the world. But I wouldn't want to use any of these resources if they weren't biblical. Thank God that we're still people of the Word. If you teach a Sunday school class, Lead a Bible study, direct a missions group, then it's your responsibility to base what you teach on the Bible. That's our first and most important source God's Word. Without the Bible as our foundation, then anything else we teach is in vain. This doesn't matter. What happens when we're ignorant of the word? I once read a story was told as truth about a pastor who asked a class of Sunday school children who broke down the walls of Jericho? little boy said, I promise I did not do it. So the pastor was a little Puzzled and a little frustrated, he looked at the Sunday school teacher, he said, what do you think? She said, I think he's an honest young man, and I, I believe him. I don't think he's ever done anything that mean. The pastor, by this time, was really getting fumed, and he went to the head deacon. Head deacon said, well, I've known that boy and that teacher for years. They wouldn't lie about something like this. So he went to the education committee for the Sunday school and the Christian education of the church and they said, Pastor, let's don't make a big deal out of this. Let's just pay for the damage, charge it to the maintenance budget, who broke down the walls? God forgive us for our ignorance of his word. Let us accept the word of God as truth in its entirety, truth in doctrine, and finally, truth in practice. Not only is scripture profitable for teaching, but also for ethical purposes. Notice first, profitable for correction. This is the negative aspect. The Bible teaches proper techniques of church discipline. It teaches us how to discipline our children. How to deal with false prophets who may arise among us. It even teaches us how to deal with those who sin against us or who offend us. One thing I've always noticed about the Bible and it's dealing with correction is that correction is almost always followed by restoration and I'm so happy that that part wasn't left out see when someone does wrong they're not hopelessly lost they're not cast out and they can be restored Yes, correction may often be necessary, but restoration is vital. We must seek restoration. Secondly, notice that Scripture are profitable for instruction in righteousness. This is the positive aspect. This is where we take the Word of God We study it and we say, okay, now, so what? How does this affect me in my daily life? How does this help me to deal with the problems that I face from day to day? How does this help me build relationships, conduct myself in public, lead others in the church? you ever have a question about life here's where you can find the answer in the pages of God's word read the book now look very quickly at verse 17 that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work the man of God, the minister the pastor but this is good advice for all of us as Christians, whether we're ordained or not, male or female, minister or layperson, that we may be complete, fit, adequate, and thoroughly equipped, able to complete good work. Southern Baptists, we've always prided ourselves as being people of the Word. We may confess this as the inerrant Word of God. We may go to great lengths to defend the Word of God as true and accurate, but if we don't read it, if we don't study it, if we don't learn it, if we don't hide its words in our heart, if we don't If we don't proclaim it, then what good is it? What more good than any other book is it to us? What is the Bible to us? A childhood accident caused poet Elizabeth Barrett to lead a life of being partially disabled, before she married Robert Browning in 1846. But there's more to that story. You see, in in her youth, Elizabeth had been watched over, sheltered by basically a tyrannical father. When she and Robert were married, their wedding was held in secret because of her father's disapproval. And after the wedding, the Brownings sailed to Italy, and they lived there for the rest of their lives. Even though their parents had disowned her, Elizabeth never gave up on the relationship with her parents. She kept trying to make things right. She wrote them letters every week, Not once did they reply. After ten years, she received a large box in the mail. And inside the box, she found all of her letters, and not one of them had been opened. Today, those letters are among the most beautiful in all of classical English literature. Had her parents only read a few of them, their relationship with Elizabeth might have been restored. In a very real sense, God's word is his love letter to us. It does not benefit us at all if it sits on a shelf. is never read. Nothing has the power to free us from destructive behavior, or revitalize our relationships with Him like His Word.